And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. All right, here we go. Another edition of the Weighing In Podcast. And we had no contest city going on in the UFC. I hate when fights end like that, but that's what we got with a big fight with Eric Anders. And then in the main event, Leon Rocky Edwards was looking sharp. Bilal Muhammad was doing everything he could to give him problems and got poked in the eye. Josh, what do you think about what occurred tonight with that fight? Uh, it's very unfortunate. This is what happens in the sport. We've talked about this several times. I mean, with the eye pokes, um, just the UFC needs to do something about their gloves. And I don't want to get in comparison of, of promotions, but when you curve the glove, certain promotions do that. Pride was one of them. Ryzen's one of them. I know Bellator is one of them. There's other, you know, I don't, I can't recall what one uses, but they'd use a curved glove. They're less likely to have eye pokes. The situation happened. Yeah, it, you can still have them, but it's less likely. Yeah, it's less likely. It doesn't mean that they're not going to happen. We all know they can happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it just sucks. I saw a, I feel really bad for Leon because he has been, he has waited a long time. He was looking phenomenal. Um, like I, I had originally said that the speed was definitely going to be a factor. I've had opportunities to train with Leon. He's wave. He's super fast. It's I've trained with T Wood. T Wood when he was in his prime, extremely explosive, and we've seen that throughout his career. Leon is that next step up of explosiveness and speed, and he's very accurate with his punches. We saw that oh. in the first round. That straight left, right down the pipe is just it's money, and he, the way he sets it up and the way he gives the feint to the hips. He's phenomenal, man. He's phenomenal. Do I think that they're going to give him a title shot off of this? I don't really know who else they would give a title shot to, just to be honest. And, I mean, outside of maybe a Colby Covington, but because there is some drama there, but I think it's Leon's turn, regardless of how this all panned out. I mean, Leon got a little bit of the ring rust off. It's a shitty situation to be in for him. Yeah. Uh, the long layoff, finally getting a paycheck, all of those things adding up. I think he should still be next. Just my personal opinion. He looked good. You know, uh, the ups and downs of you're fighting Chimaev. Now you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Now fighting Bilal. Like, it's it's a shit situation to be in where he's at. But I think it's a good time and a good opportunity for him to fight, I think, Usman now. And I'd love to see that fight now, you know, and, and how they've changed. The other thing as well is there's still some, like, uh, some aura, I think a little, not aura, but some mystique about what's been, how much has Leon changed since not just their first fight in the first fight, but the last two years, we haven't I seen him in a little two years. bit about that from what happened tonight. Yeah. I mean, like his speed, I know is there, his, his, his feints, his hips, all those things. He looks so calm and confident the way he switched stance so many times and was able to ha be on point with everything. Those things I think are going to pose a threat to, to Usman, but Bilal was able to actually turn him a couple times against the fence. And you do that with Usman, Usman's going to put you on your back. So there's a big difference in that type of wrestling between Bilal and Usman, but and I don't think and I don't know if Leon will be able to get up against you know against Usman, and so when you're talking that like will they fight in a smaller cage? That's a big difference as well. Will that will will there even be a next fight for him right now? Will it be somebody else before he gets to the title? That's those are the questions that need to be answered. Will he get a title shot off of this? I don't know. I really don't know. He looked good up until that moment, but I don't know.
Yeah, he was looking very good as far as if you look at the way the fight was playing out. And I love Bilal Muhammad. And I, as soon as the fight started and Bilal tried to put pressure, he couldn't do it. And this is when you talk about the difference in levels of fighters. And you, you do this time and time again. And then all of a sudden, they'll start a fight. And you come across with a guy. And all of a sudden, he's making you step back. And when Edwards all of a sudden just took the position and made Bilal Muhammad step back, that's, that's your first indication. Uh, there's a level change of, of what Bilal is now facing. Because he, he pressures everybody. It is who he is. It is what he does, and he's good at it. And you saw right away, Leon Edwards took that away. His his ability to switch stances, the way that he does it, is flawless. Flawless. It's beautiful. It's like watching Barichnikov dance. I mean, it's so smooth, so effortless, and seamless in the way he does it. His southpaw stance he's better at, and that left hand coming straight down the pipe is brutal but even when he's in the right-handed stance his his jab with his left hand is is just very accurate and everything he was doing and the thing that i saw tonight that i loved out of him dude he put Bilal against the fence at times he came in shot his combination and came into a clinch and wanted to get in the clinch and even went for the takedown a little bit Bilal did a good job of like you said turning him off getting his back to the cage, but breaking away. I just thought that I'm seeing a guy that now is comfortable with the entire aspect of MMA comparative to trying to break it into two areas. He was always trying to keep it in the stand-up, and if it got to the ground, well, he was going to try. He has some jujitsu, and he's, he's good with his jujitsu, but he wasn't that guy that was the guy that was going to take you down. His wrestling just wasn't quite there. It's it's gotten there. It looks a whole lot better because Bilal Muhammad is a good wrestler. He's not uh, under the same you know, accolades, I guess, as you want to say, of Kamaru Usman and what he did while he was in college and things like that. But he's a good wrestler. And from what I saw, Leon Edwards was doing very well in the wrestling aspect. The speed was a big difference in it. And, you know, although I thought Bilal Muhammad was doing a lot of good things and was really working hard and, and, and trying to get his times in there, he got hurt with that high kick to the head. You could yeah. see his legs buckling. There were moments where he was in trouble in that first round. And I, 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 he could have changed that. But what you were seeing was up to the point of the eye poke, which was unintentional. You know, that's, that's a guy trying to mask that kick coming over the top. And he stuck him in the eye, and it was I don't I didn't want to see Bilal fight from that point because he was going to be diminished. He wasn't going to be able to fight. I know he wasn't going to be seeing out of the eye, and bad things were going to happen because that was his right eye, and that left hand had already been hitting him. So, you know, it, it's unfortunate that the fight ended the way it did, but it happens. I don't know who this Barishnikov guy is that dances, but, <laughs> but Leon did look good when he was switching stances, Man. potentially like a dancer. Yes, potentially like one. Um, Oh, overall, like I, I would agree with you. The speed was a factor. The changing of the stances was a factor. The way he took the center of the cage right from the beginning, started pushing Bilal back. But look, all of those things aside, I don't want to. I don't. I want to make sure everyone understands. I'm not counting Bilal out. No, this, this fight was a five round fight, and he, like he had said, and we have seen in the past, but like he had said in his uh, pre fight interviews, that 
this is a dog fight. He, and he knows how to make it a dog fight. And we've seen that in some of his past fights. He knows how to make this a dog fight. And Leon hadn't been in there in a long time against somebody who was a dog. And so to have to fight someone like Bilal in a long period of time in a five-round fight, if it would have got to the third, the fourth, and the fifth round, I think the fight would have been interesting to see how Leon, because not being in there for two years, how would you, how were you able to, to control your emotions, your um, all those things that come along with your fight? How are you able to control that in the fourth and fifth round? Sometimes there's that adrenaline dump. You get into that third round, you're like, oh, I, I'm getting, you start to get tired in the third round, knowing it's a five round fight. The end of the second, into the third, you start getting a little bit tired. You get a little bump of like a second wind around halfway through the fourth. Sometimes at the end of the fourth, knowing that, okay, there's one more round left. I got enough in it for me for five rounds or five minutes. So, I mean, all that stuff aside, I actually wouldn't mind seeing it run back. You know, um, if they wanted to do that again, giving Bilal an opportunity, you know, to do it again. They, they were willing to do it for Chimeyev. And Bilal actually showed up to the fight and, and was actually doing well. You know, I mean, it wasn't going his way up to that moment, but it was such a short period of time. And like I was saying, he's a dog. So I think in the third and the fourth round, you could have seen something a lot different happening. So, but up until that moment, I was all, it was all Leon. Leon's speed, his, his hip feints, all those things were a factor. The way, like you said, he mixed it up. He is a completely different fighter. And he will be a different fighter when he fights Usman. How will that play out? I don't know. Will that happen next? No one knows. No, that's true. I, I look at it from what I was seeing in the fight. Bilal had to be in control of the pace of the fight to do exactly what I thought he could possibly do. In I thought he was going to lose the first couple rounds. You know, that just based upon speed and the, what I knew that Leon Edwards brought. But if he could push the pace on Leon and, and make Leon work, he could get it into that third, fourth, fifth round and make those rounds work for him and you know drag him into that water and then start to make the water come up higher and higher and, and start to drown him. From what I was seeing with Leon controlling things, being very calm, being relaxed, that was not going to take place in that fight. Yeah, That was not going to be the outcome based upon Bilal being able to drown him. Bilal was going to have to put him out with shots and could he have done it? Sure. But it's uh, it wasn't what we were seeing up until the point of the eye poke, but again, you know, maybe they'll bring it back, but I honestly look at it and I go, there's no better fighter that you could put against Usman right now than Leon Edwards. He proved how good he is. Just the way he looked coming off of almost two years layoff. He looked good. He looked yeah. really good. Yeah, I thought he looked phenomenal, but I just think it was such, it's, it's not a big enough. Yeah, I can understand. It's not that. big enough for me to, to pull. I would like to see him fight Usman next, just to be honest, because I've already seen him fight Colby. I've already seen him fight Gilbert. I've already seen him fight Mazadal. I've already, and I haven't seen him fight Steven Thompson, though. But, yeah. you know, but then you get into like Kiesa, and we've already seen him fight T Wood. And it's like you're kind of getting the people he's already, already fought. I'd like to see him fight Leon. I know he's already fought Leon. But like, like it's been a yeah. long time. It's been long enough to where Leon is a changed fighter since then. They're both changed They're fighters. Both. Yeah. Both of them. Usman is a lot better and Leon's a lot better. I don't know if the outcome is going to be any different, but it's going to, I think it's going to be a different style of fight. There's going to be a lot more respect, I think, in this fight. Uh, I think Usman can appreciate what, how Leon has grown since then as well. So it should be, I think that would probably potentially be the next fight. I'd like to see Steven Thompson get in that mix as well, man. Yeah. So would you I. Know, I'd like to see that. Um, Ryan Spann and Dan Ige both had great performances. Ooh, ooh Dan Ige. Yeah. 
I thought that was going to be a good fight. I, I had picked Danny Gay to win, but I thought that Gavin Tucker was going to be a, a, a good fight and that it was going to go close to three rounds. I thought Ige's pressure and the way that he just does things would eventually start to break Tucker down. I never thought it was going to be 20, 22 or three seconds as DC said. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, it's like as soon as this, the fight actually goes, right, is when they start counting. Uh, is that what they yeah, do? Yeah. I guess as soon as it had, you know, as soon as someone starts to throw a punch is when Dan starts to count, but it's actually, you know, when the referee says either handle it, fight is on, you know, yeah. fight, whatever they're going to do, that's when the time starts. So yeah, all that movement, it counts in the time. Interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm just really happy for Danny again. He's a nice kid, man. Really nice guy. I've met him through Ali and uh, some of the guys, some of the Russian guys out in Vegas. We were training with a couple guys over there at uh, Cabrinos. And uh, really nice guy. He's come to AK a couple times. He's just really kind of quiet, humble, keeps to himself. Um, but hard worker, really hard worker. And he feel like he's always picking people's brains, always wanting to know a little bit more, always asking for a little bit of advice, always kind of, you know, he's just he's just kind of setting his feelers out there going, hey, how, can you help me with this? And very respectful, very nice guy. Couldn't have happened to a better person. I'm hoping he gets the $50,000 bonus or whatever it is. Yeah, he's got, got a kid on the way. That's awesome. Yeah, he's got a kid on the way, which is that's amazing as well. So, um, congratulations, my man. Happy for you. Couldn't have couldn't have happened to a better person right now at the time that you needed it. So good. That's for you. a big come big you know win coming off of a, a hard loss that he had against Cater. So yeah, good for him. Um, what else in this? Oh, the the Jonathan Martinez fight and the Davy Grant fight. I was like, I thought Martinez was going to run away with it after the first round. I was like, oh, he's just he's just too clean, too crisp, too much. Like you could just see Grant going real loopy, not really like he wasn't sitting down on anything. But then he came out in that second round. It was just like, oh no, I'm gonna push you around. I'm gonna let you know I'm the boss. And he and the loopy stuff was getting through right off the bat. And Martinez just had no answer. He just he was almost like he was just more concerned about covering the shots than he was on trying to counter off the covered shots. And then that just that was a quick. Quick turn on how the fight ended from there. But I was expecting Martinez to start to run away with the fight after the first, going through the first round. He got, you know, he was able to get the, he dropped him, I think, at the end of the first. And then and then he was able to, the, the, the round, when you say by the round. Then the second round came out, and I thought for sure that he was going to come out and just dictate the pace of the fight after that. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, David, David Grant's been around for a while. He used to be just, he was almost a pure grappler before. Now, he doesn't even kind of go for, you know, the, getting the fight to the ground. He, if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, he's not worried about it. And I love I love just his outlook on fighting. It's just like, I just like being here. I just want to fight. You know, there was there was a couple things happening tonight. There was some some things that were said at times that I really enjoyed. You know, we'll talk about those in a little bit. But I thought the... Uh, I know Manel Cape has been uh, training up near you and stuff, but that was a that was a good fight. But he needs to figure out that output is key to what he's doing because he thinks that he's throwing more than his opponent, but he's not. Yeah, you you moved on to the to the Cape and uh, Mathesis fight. I did. I did. Okay, no worries, no worries. I just I want to make sure everyone was following along. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he fell victim to it his first fight. He had a lot more output this time. I had him winning the fight. Did you not? Okay. Did you not? 
I actually had him winning the fight. Yeah, I had him winning the fight, but in regard, but regardless, you can't leave it to the judges. It's close, yeah. and you can't leave it in that in that type of you know fight. It can go either way based upon what the judges are seeing. But if he was busier by putting more shots on his opponent, he's going to win the fight. But in the third round, I thought he let Nikal come out and actually you know land the better shots for a lot of it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Then I thought yeah. he came in. And he took it back over, and I, that's why I gave him the round. But I can understand why a judge didn't, and that's what happened. And so I thought that he won, but I think that he's just missing that boat in that, man, you, you don't leave anything. Yeah. If you are not exhausted at the end of that fight, you left things. Don't leave it, and yeah. Put it all out there. That's when, when you put it all out there and you lose – you gave it everything you had. If you don't put it all out there and you're feeling great at the end of the fight and you lose it in a close, you know, decision like that, shame on you, man. You, you had more, you, you can give more. I know, you know, you're trying to be, you know, careful and not get hurt in the fight. Sometimes you got to open up, go after him. Combinations, throw more. If you threw more, you would have landed more. I think they would have given you the damn decision. Being hurt in a fight doesn't mean shit if you get cut. You're sitting at home going, what am I going to do next? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, if I get hurt, I can't fight again soon. Well, you're going to potentially two losses in a row. You may get cut. I mean, you haven't done anything to make us feel like maybe we should try to keep you. I thought tonight's performance was at best mediocre. And I know you have a lot more potential than that. That, was the, that was the biggest. That's the biggest problem. There was so much hype around him, but that's all gone now. His first fight was like almost like he was too happy to be there. Like, oh, I'm in the UFC. Then you lost, you know, and now that's gone. And then the hype is gone with you. And then now in this performance, you know, and I'm going to, I'm not trying to get on him. I'm just simply saying like, he has the ability. We know he has the ability. We know that what he can do. The speed was definitely a factor tonight. All he had to do is pull the trigger. You know, his wrestling takedown defense was on point. I mean, there was even Man, one time where you he, see this. Did you see when he stuffed it? Man, and I think Bisping was saying, oh, if he gets this, you know, he's going to lose. I'm like, what are you talking? There's a lot of time in the fight. Yeah. You get up, but he stuffed it. You know, and I'm like, beautiful job. Yeah. His, his, his wrestling defense has gotten way better. Yeah. And he was very aggressive off of his back as well. He just can't afford to stay down there too long with top-level guys. Yeah. But overall, I thought, he, I thought he won the fight. I can see why he didn't. He landed the harder, cleaner shots, but the last minute and a half, two minutes of the, of the third round, yep. depends on what the judges are looking for. Duration I, I of did. just pot shots or two minutes of hard damage. So it really, it, you can't leave it up to the judges though. In that type of situation, those circumstances. No, and in that one, it's close. And I don't blame the judges going either way on it. It all depends on, and I know this sounds weird, but where you're sitting and the angles that you're getting, you know, sometimes you'll see a shot that the other guy doesn't, you know, based upon the angle of the, of the fight. Cause you're not seeing all the, you know, angles and you're not seeing it from the same level as the way the camera is that we get to see. You're looking up, you see actually less. It's a weird angle. You don't get to see things as clearly as you do if you're looking down. Yeah, but let's, I guess let's what? just, the, the, the number one thing is this. Stop giving away the first round. Like, <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Like, go out okay. there like you like how you did in the in the second round and then the third round, put some put some pace on it. The, the thing is, you cannot have, we get on Benson Henderson about this all the time. He's a slow starter. But it's okay to be Benson Henderson when you're giving away, you know, in a five-round fight. All he ever did was five five-round fights for the longest time. Oh, so getting wow. into, yeah, now getting into a faster pace, 
is what you got to do. In a three-round fight, you need to make sure you don't lose that first round. You're fighting behind the whole time, you know, or at least set a pace in that first round that makes them feel, the judges makes them feel like you're in this fight. So then you're not losing that round. It's a close decision, a close round to have to give either way. And uh, he just didn't do anything in the first round. That cost him. And then he lost. And then he, I've had him win in the, first, the second. And then the third, I had him win it as well, but it just didn't come out his way. Um, the Eric Anders. And do you want to talk about that now? Or do you want to go back to that at the end? No, nah, we can go to that now. Fine. We, we can roll that into the Anthony Smith conversation as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll save that, that one for the end, you guys. Uh, right. Look, Angela Hill and Yoder. Angela Hill looked on point. She looked controlled. She oh, looked she composed. looked good. She looked good. Um, I mean, realistically, if you pull up the rankings, where do we see her at? Oh, you know, she's uh, she's in that position where she she's fought everyone really. Mm -hmm. You go, if you go and you look, you know, the all of those fights that she's had, she's had a ton of them, man. And it's um, really the question is, where do you put her? As far as you know. I don't think she's going to rise that much off of this win. She's already no. had a win against Ashley. She looked really good in this fight. I know she wanted to fight Tisha, but you know where she's at at number 12. It's like, eh. you know, she, I thought she beat Claudia Godella in that fight that she had with Claudia, mm. you know, and the Michelle Watterson fight was really close. So mm. it'll be, um, what about a McKenzie Dern? I know it's only one step up. Ooh. Well, she doesn't want to be on the ground with Mackenzie. No one wants to be on the ground with Mackenzie. But I mean, you know, look, and I'm telling you, man, Mackenzie is looking really good in her yep. stand-up. It's getting way better. Jason Perillo yep. has got her starting to look like she's got hands, and all it takes is Mackenzie to roll into one simple takedown, and Angela's not getting away from her on the ground. Yeah, so that's a dangerous. That's look, I, I'm going to just be honest. You look at everyone in that straw weight division and right now that's a dangerous place if you're going to fight someone like mckenzie Dern. yeah i mean you can see mckenzie and uh gadelia fight that might be good <laughs> that'd be a good little scrap both really good on the ground mckenzie's obviously got the edge on the ground but power wise i would give it to gadelia on the feet but then she also tires i mean it'd be a fun fight you know uh angela hill i mean i can see them and tisha torres doing it again yeah you know you know i mean doesn't here's you're, the thing with tisha, if you're, though, if you're she's tisha get... torres you're, you're going why do i want that fight yeah i've already beaten her once she's at 12 i'm at what six or seven Sevens, I yeah i think that. she's at seven so what good does it do her yeah no i know i know they had a little banter understand. they had a little banter yeah. on, the, on twitter for a little bit like what a couple weeks ago when uh no yeah. one would fight angela hill if you're looking at the rankings here i'd see Tisha Torres trying to fight uh, Marina Rodriguez or somewhere in there, you know, maybe a Carla Esparza in that fight there, yeah. somewhere in there, but what, who knows? But what's next for Angela Hill? I guess we will see. We will, uh, yeah, she fights all the time, so yeah, she'll be back. The, the next fight is the one that I fight love. Fight of the night. Oh, hands down, damn. fight of the night. <laughs> Thank you very much yeah dude charles jordan man i love you <laughs> i love what he said in the middle of the fight in his corner i i, I want to be a champion i got to go out and prove me and man he did some cool stuff i i've never seen anyone do the 
jump off of the fence over your opponent to land the hammer fist. That's awesome. Come on. That was cool. <laughs> he just, he took over that fight. And that was a tough fight. He was having some problems in that fight. I thought Rojo was doing, you know, some really good stuff. He was a solid, tough guy. But when Jordan decided, man, I got to prove something here. I got to go out and, and be who I am. He just turned it on, man. It was like shifting gears into another level. And he just was awesome to watch. Yeah. Jordan needs to call Cape and talk to him <laughs> about, hey, this is what you got to do when you're, when you feel like their fight is away from you. You know, you feel like you, I mean, it was, it's it basically, he did what every fighter wishes they, they could do. Every baseball player say we're down in the bottom of the ninth. I'm stepping up to the plate, two outs, three strikes, all that bullshit. That's Boom. exactly what he did. I'm knocking it out of the park. That's exactly what he did. Every kid oh, dreams of that moment. And he just had it absolutely yeah. amazing job. He look once he, he was, he really was like in the Cape situation where all he had to do was pull the trigger. The more he pulled the trigger, the more Rojo or however you say his name was out of position. Like he just couldn't handle that much pressure. Those type of combinations. When he was getting off first, um, Jordan had a hard time. The leg kicks were obviously playing a factor. You saw him limping a little bit towards the second round. The second round, yeah. he started limping, having a hard time with his legs. Uh, it was which, which which only made it more impressive. Yes, because his legs were he, that one leg got eaten up. Yeah, he had to switch to southpaw. I know. So when he switched to southpaw, he had actually a lot more success. But in doing that, that's why it's very important for fighters to feel like this to learn how to fight from both sides, or at least have a set of combinations from your your uh, weak side. You know, like whatever it is, like you need to you need to have a set, a couple sets combinations that you have from that side in case now with the new calf case coming on, in case that situation arises that you need to go out there and throw and fight from that position. So you don't fold under pressure and think like, oh no, it's over, I'm done. You've got to learn to make adjustments during the fight. And practicing that in the gym is definitely gonna be a factor. And he did. He did exactly what he needed to do. He turned to Southpaw, had a lot more success, landed some beautiful shots. Was able to get to the top position. Nasty ground and pound. He reminded me a lot of um, a little bit of like how Fedor used to do it, but then also some of the uh, was it Shogun. Shogun used to do the same thing. Shogun and, used to do a lot of the stand up over the top and wait. Yep. And just look and control control one arm at times and just move the person's body where he was going to be throwing the punch and pull and boom and just power. It was beautiful. I loved what he did. Well, look fantastic especially in that third round what fighters need to remember especially young fighters you guys think about this is go back and watch his ground and pound at the end a lot of his heavy hard clean shots were set up with the body shot first he went left hand to the body right hand over the top and that's and that was perfect because what happens when you punch to the body it brings their elbows in and they do like a sit-up crunch position which brings their head closer to you to hit and that's what he did every single time. It was very nice, very clean. He punched the body, then came over the top with the other hand and actually brought the opponent closer to them. So he made clean, hard shots. They're actually sitting up into your shot and your punch. I thought it was very nice. I mean, he had some nasty ground up pound. At the beginning of that third round, Rojo didn't have a mark on him. At the end of that the end. at the end of that fight, he both his eyes were swollen. He was marked up everywhere. That's how much a fight can change in four minutes. Four minutes and 30 seconds. It was impressive. And then he ripped him to the body, and that's what eventually ended the, sh the fight. He hit him to the body first, then hit him with a shot that sat him to his butt. Nice job, man. I just, I, yeah. I, I, overall, that fight was like, man, I was waiting for this fight to live up to it, live up to it. That third round stole the show. Stole, oh, the, whole, stole the whole fight card.
It was fantastic because I thought the fight before it, uh, Nazrat, yes. Hakparast, I, re- I, I think he's a dynamite fighter, but I knew Rafa Garcia and I knew going in, I was like, mm, I'll tell you what, I don't know if Hakparast understands how good Rafa is. Rafa's good. Now, I knew he was coming in last minute, so it was a matter of you know how good a shape was he in, and it was the fact, in my opinion, the fact that Hakparas was able to be in outstanding condition, prepared for the fight, and was able to push things. He pushed Rafa to the point where Rafa was, he was exhausted, still fighting well, but he was tired in that fight, and it took away his snap. It took away his effectiveness because he's good. This is a guy that, man, he's, he, fin- he has finished most of his fights, and a lot of them by submission. He's normally able to take guys down, and I thought, well, if he can get Hakparas to the ground, he's got a shot because on the ground he's really good. But his stand-up is good. He is a he is a legitimate mixed martial artist who's good everywhere. But Hasbrot, man, he's sharp. His stand-up, his elbows inside, he loves to throw that that chopping upward or downward stroke elbow right to the middle of your forehead. He's effective with it. He just brings things in in certain directions and certain angles that. He's effective with his striking, and he is—he's consistent, man. He does not stop. He is always looking for that opportunity to be offensive, and that makes him dangerous. Yeah, with Hawk Pross, what people have to understand um, when they're watching him, it's exhausting to fight at a long range the way he does. He yep. likes to throw those long jabs, the long uh, straight punches, the long little bit loopy punches. He likes to mix it up, but he fights long. And then he gets in there and gets dirty, like you said, with the elbows. But he generally fights along and lands the big, heavy shots from those from that out wide, out out distance. And when he does that, it's exhausting going in the second and third round. He looked fresh in that third round. Just he touch, looked like touch, he didn't touch. even freaking yes. fight. And so I and was, and again, fighting a guy that I know is good. Yeah, and that was the thing that kind of threw me off. I was like. I was expecting because Garcia kept putting the pace and putting the pace and was taking the shots and delivering some shots in that first round. And I saw Hawk Pross like move away and move away and circle and stick and move and stick and move. I was like, he's going to get tired having to fight at this pace and trying to fight long and try and doing it backwards. That's even more exhausting because you can feel the pressure from a fighter. That's why fighters, they put pressure to try to make their opponent more tired. And he, it never got to him. Even all, even stuff in the takedowns. He looked clean and fresh every takedown he stopped. I start to look at him, and I think of like body styles. He has a Cain Velasquez body, like his chest cavity is like kind of rounded. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's got amazing cardio, big lungs, man, amazing <laughs> cardio, insane. I thought overall what he did was very impressive, and, and what what uh, Garcia did was also very impressive. Yeah, it was duly impressed with the fact that he took the fight on short notice, fought someone who is on the rise, and there was a lot of hype around him. I thought he had a very good first round. I mean, I don't know if it was enough to win the round, but it was a good first round. Second round, he started, you could tell he started to fatigue, was getting hit with more shots, and then Hawk Pross ran away with it coming into the third. But it was yeah. overall, it was a very good fight. Just Garcia, I think, with a little bit more time, is going to be nasty and dangerous. I hope they do sign him to a longer term deal. I mean, he was fun. Oh, to they watch. will. He was fun to watch. He- he gave a good fight against a very good fighter. Yeah. You, know, you can't you can't say anything bad about him. No. He, the kid's good and he's young and he's only going to get better. Yeah. That's the kind you want to hold on to. Good stuff. Oh, all right. Well, let's get into this uh 
uh, Eric Anders and uh, Darren Stewart and, and Darren Stewart. And we will roll into the Anthony Smith stuff, which kind of is all, I think, together. Yeah. But um, because and, and look, everyone knows I'm friends with Brendan. You you know, Brendan, we I, I, I like Brendan, but he had said some things also about like you can't put a fighter in these type of positions, you know, to make the call. Well, the issue is, though, is you're going to see what happened tonight, John, is they left it up to the doctor, and a lot of upset fighters are going to be pissed off when their win bonuses get taken away, when the doctor says, walk to me, and the guy walk, and you walk to them perfectly fine, and the doctor says, nah, you can't fight. Every time you go to a doctor and you have an injury from training, that doctor will tell you, do what? Take four to five weeks off. Don't train. Do you have to get hit? Do you have to grapple? You shouldn't wrestle that hard. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think's going to happen when I get in the cage? Like I, I, I just, when you, people were complaining about what happened with, uh, Aljamain Sterling. Now they're trying to make adjustments. Look, this is what happens in the sport. It's very unfortunate, but it can happen. It very rarely happens. Let's not go around changing all the damn rules and leave it up to the damn doctor. Who's going to fuck people's pay up. That's the biggest problem you're going to have that. What's it called? Stuart walked directly to the doctor. And the doctor's like, looked at Herb and looked at him. He goes, nah, can't fight. I'm sorry, yep. but okay. there goes my win money. Or there go, like, there goes my chance at having win money. I know the yep. fight wasn't going his way. And but he did. He, well, it was early. It was early, but not towards the uh, end. Not there. there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at that, but that point, there's no chance of it ever going your way after the doctor says no. And so when we're talking about, oh, you shouldn't leave it up to the doctors to make these decisions. Or you shouldn't leave it up to the fighters to make the decision. It, someone else has to make that call. Why? Why would I want somebody else to make the call about my life and my decisions on what I want to do? No, no way, man. I'm not. That's like you guys say all the time. Don't leave it up to the judges. Now you're gonna leave it up to the doctors. Get the yeah. fuck. No way. Come on, get, leave it get, to the doctor, Josh. Get out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> There's no way. I'm not leaving it up to the fucking ref. I'm not leaving it up to the judges. I'm not leaving it up to the damn doctor for sure. He's the last guy on the fucking list I'm leaving it up to. There is no way. And that's what happened tonight. And that's what you get. If you guys want to see more of that, then keep whining and bitching and moaning about what what happened last week. No way. Absolutely not. We all said Aljamain Sterling, he made a business decision. It was left up to him. He made the right decision. Okay? Because I don't think he was getting another title shot off of that. You guys can say whatever you want. He made the right decision in terms of he was already compromised because he took the knee. Okay. He also knew that he wasn't going to get a rematch. And now he's going to get paid a lot more for the for the next rematch or for the rematch. Business decision. Doesn't matter how you feel, but I thought he acted. Does he deserve an Oscar? No, it was really bad acting, by the way. It was so obvious. But I don't give a shit about that because he's going to fight again and make more money. That's why you don't leave it up to the damn doctor. The doctor... No way, man. No way. Tonight, that was bullshit. The fighter could have fought, and the fighter proved he could have fought by walking to him. Fight, boxers get dropped all the time. They get up eight counts, and they walk to the, the ref. The ref says, go right ahead. You just left it up to a doctor, and the doctor said no. If you're, if you're gonna, He's the last guy on the list is what I'm trying to say. No way. He's the last guy you want making the decision because he's always going to go to the side of safety and go, no, because anytime he allows someone to go back in, Whose butt is on the line now? The doctor's. His butt's on the line because if he makes the bad bad decision, now he, there's ramifications that come with it. This is the, the whole the whole part, and and I love Anthony Smith. 
but him saying, you know, referees need to take more responsibility. Bullshit. Referees take a ton of responsibility. But if you think that referees don't uh, have to basically, uh, let's say, report or be under the auspices of anybody and they just get to do what they want, are you guys fucking nuts? Everything you do is looked at. It's taken apart. It's, well, could you have done it different? And when it comes to athletic commissions, there is a specific way that in combat sports, things have been done. Okay. I can tell you, I did a kickboxing match in Nevada one time, and it was Raymond Daniels against Nikki Holzgen. And Raymond gets a cut in his eyelid. And the cut in his eyelid is so the point where when he closes his eye, you can see his eyeball through it. All right. That's a bad cut because the eyelid is real thin skin and it's hard for the doctors to fix it. And they always want to, you know, Hey, you get a cut in the eyelid. If you get a cut in the tear duct, we are stopping the fight. It becomes problematic for the fighter based upon the way we stitch it. We can actually, if we don't stitch it correctly, if the cut gets too bad, we can stitch to the point where now it becomes a bump on the fighter's eye and he gets an eye problem. There's all these things that happen that people don't think about. And so I've stopped the fight. You know, I tried to let Raymond go to a certain point. Finally, I said, that's it. I just stopped it without the doctor coming in. Okay. So I took responsibility like Anthony Smith. I got reamed. Okay. Hey, at least bring the doctor and let him look at it. I said, doc, what were you going to say? That fight's over. So what he's, he looks at me and goes, oh, the fight was definitely over. It doesn't matter. We have a certain standard and we go with this system. And we want you to bring the doctor in so the doctor can look. Okay. And so there are these systems put in place. And when you're sitting there saying that, oh, the referee in Aljamain Sterling's place or even in tonight with Darren Stewart, oh, the referee should just look at him and go, oh, no, fight's over. And we're going to go to either the cards. I'm going to go to a DQ or I'm going to go to a no contest. No. Sorry, that is not what the athletic commissions that's not what the promoters and that's not what most fighters want to have happen because they're not going to be happy with the results most of the time you got to look and say are you putting pressure on aljamain sterling to make a decision can you continue yeah you are but it's his choice and it's not the fact that oh if you give him that choice and he says no i can't oh now he's a coward no you're you can't look at it that way. It's a matter of if I don't give him the choice, now I just took away his ability to stay in the fight when he wants to. That's not, it's not reasonable. You have to make sure that you are being as fair as you can be to the fighters. Now, the one difference you're going to see is look at what happened with Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan, and look at what happened with Eric Anders and Darren Stewart tonight. And just like I had said before, I would not have DQ'd Peter Yan. What you saw tonight was exactly what I'm talking about. Now, that was different in the fact that this one was in the first round. It wasn't in the fourth round of a championship fight. That's why I said I would have gone to the scorecards because that way we would have had an actual decision based upon the length of time that the fight went. And in this one tonight, Herb couldn't do that going the fact that it was four minutes and 37 seconds of only the first round. The only thing he can do is say that I'm going to DQ Eric Anders and Darren Stewart gets the win or he can make it a no contest.
So then did the the ref um with Aljo, did he yeah. make a mistake by saying it was intentional? No, he didn't. Well, all right. He was well within his right to make the call that he made. The one, you know, the one mistake that I will tell you that he made, this is because he hasn't been in these positions before. It's different, Josh. You know, all these people out there think that they know shit. They don't know dick. All right. The pressure that is on a fighter when he enters a championship fight for the first time is different than any fucking fight he's ever had before. Is that true or not true? Yeah, I think it's the same for fighters. Every time you're a main event, no, right? no, it's that's, the first that's time. what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying for a fighter, is, yes. it, is there more pressure? Yes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Well, guess what? There's more pressure for the fucking referee, too. And to sit there and think that, oh, it's just easy. Yeah, it's easy to sit in your fucking lounger and say, I could be good at that. It ain't what you think. And I, I tell guys all the time, hey, man, just allow things to organically happen as far as your career as an official. Don't try to put yourself in positions where you're getting somewhere before you're ready. Be careful what you wish for, because when you wish for these things and you push to make them happen and they happen, they normally don't end up finishing off the way you want. And in these situations, when you are in that championship fight for the first time and these things happen, when you're talking to a referee and you're saying it was intentional, you know, I'm going to DQ him if you can't move on. You don't do that. All right. That's, that's basics. No one knows what the hell I'm going to do until I finally do it. And there's reasons behind that. The more info, it's like having a test. The more information you get, are you going to be better off in making a decision or are you going to be worse off? You're going to be better off. Information, knowledge is key. Well, I'm going to get all of that information I can get or all the knowledge I need on the situation I have and where I can go. And then I'll make the best decision for the fighters, for the promotion, for the fans, and especially for the sport of MMA. Yeah. Very well put, John. That was very well put. I mean, it really just comes down to like tonight from what I saw, just given the fact that what happened last week is that you don't want to leave it up to the ref. You don't want to leave it up to the, the doctors. And so when you said Aljamain Sterling has to make a decision, and it's best for the fighter to make the decision because it's his career. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we call adulting. Okay? <laughs> in pressures, in pressure situations, you have to make decisions that have to do with your life. I'm sorry, but this is that situation. This is not where you can call your mom and ask her, what should I do here? You need to really make a decision as an adult. Can I go on or can I not? Only Aljo would know. Only Darren Stewart would know. Can I keep fighting? That's the well, question. Just, th- just think about this, Josh. Think about if you're Aljamain Sterling or Darren Stewart in this situation. If you're Aljamain Sterling and they don't ask you and you say, I can go on, and the ref goes, no, I'm not going to let you. And you just, we're done. Yeah. It's not a good position to be in. Now, it's nice if I guess you get the win because the referee gives you a disqualification. But if he doesn't, and you knew that, yeah, I think that the fight's closer. I think I was even losing the fight. And then you don't get that fight. He goes to the scorecards and you end up losing the fight. You're going to be pissed because you say, I was fine. I could have fought on. And what, which one is better for the fighter? Yeah. 
Easy. Give the fighter the choice. Yeah, it really comes down to I think every fighter needs to have control of their own career. And that puts that puts all the, the decisions more, the directly in, in in their hands for them. The to more make. that you're in control of making choices about your destiny, the better off you are. Very true. Very true. Uh, it's just sad that just within two weeks, we've had all of this happen. But it's bringing a lot of light onto the fact that fighters, commentators, oh my God, have no idea what the rules are. None. None. You were texting They're me. Bad. You're like, what the hell are these two talking about? Like, just uh, unbelievable. It's like, unbelievable yeah. that they, and it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. But to start putting out stuff that you go, that's wrong. Well, no, here, here's the thing though, John. <clears throat> Last week we did our show and everyone criticized Peter Yon. At the person at his level, the highest level, he should know uh, the yeah. rules. And then tonight you have two former champions. Yeah. Oh, no. Hold on. That, that was what the whole thing was. You know, doesn't a champion know the rules? Yes. Obviously not. not. Two <laughs> champions. And one of them is a champ champ. Yeah, no idea what champ. the rules are. No idea what guys. the rules are. And we love both of them, obviously. Yeah. But it's like, it was just funny because oh, last week everyone's like, you're the champ. You should know the rules. And then tonight you had two former champions, one of them being a champ champ. No idea what the rules were. What's the difference between what Aljo did, what what uh, Peter Yon did to Aljo last week? How come they didn't go to the cards? I mean, we don't do that. They do that in boxing only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like what? Oh, but it was it was uh that just goes to show you guys are listening. Like if you guys go back, fighters do not know the rules. I said that last week because as I have said from experience, because after it's the picking truth. John's brain for fights at our events. It's been like, okay, why did you do that? Oh, wait, we have replay. There's all these scenarios now that I just was oblivious to because I didn't care. Just, okay, you kick me in the nuts, I get a little bit of time. Okay, yeah, I poke me, I get a little bit of time. Okay, and I just don't say, I can't see. Those are all little <laughs> things. Fighters only care about the most basic thing. You poke sure. me in the eye, don't say, I can't see. Just say, give me a second. Okay, I'm just trying to focus right now. Give me a, little things like that. You don't say, I can't see. You get hit in the cup. Okay, take your five minutes. You're allotted five minutes. Take it if you need it. If you're tired, take it if you need it. If you're ready to go and you feel like you're winning the fight, I'm ready to go right away. Like you have you have go-tos for yep. certain things. You know, um, it just, these situations though, where fighters get dropped or they get illegally need, they're probably not functioning as well from, from, from some of it, but they also don't make the most, the, we're not used to dealing with those type of things in the, in the gym. You get rocked. You don't have to make a decision. Do you want to keep fighting? Well, you're in the gym. I don't have to make the decision, you know, and in a fight, it's very, it very rarely does happen. When you think about all the fights, right? Thousands and thousands of fights between the LFA and the, and Bellator and one championships and the UFC, thousands of fights. How often are the fights decided by a DQ or a no contest? Very rarely, you guys. Very rarely. So when we're talking about let's change the rules, we shouldn't put it in the in the in the fighter's hand to make those. Let's not change the sport because one thing happened. Okay, it's it's just it's getting out of hand. I think because so many people have so much access to the internet, but none of them know the damn rules. Look them up. It's not like it's hard. We used to think that be, people were were dumb because they didn't have access to information. Well, that's bullshit. There's so much damn information now. People are still dumb. You know, they don't take the time to look <laughs> this shit up. They're just stupid lazy. So this is that scenario. And I look, and that, that wasn't directed towards anyone. That was just simply the fact that like we have we have access to the rules. 
And as fighters, we still don't look them up. Bottom no. line. Bottom line. You don't care. Don't. Yeah, and it's don't okay. Care. I understand why. Yeah. But. Yeah. But let's, uh, I really just want to leave it at, the, at this is fighters, control your own destiny. Don't start trying to have the judges and the doctors and the referees make the decision for you because you'll be very unhappy later on in your life. You you never want to leave it up to anybody else to control what your is your destiny. Never. Agree. So, um. All right. Well, let's talk very, about some. Very nice to see Mike Beltran refereeing huh? in Nevada for the very first time. You know, he was so nervous he tucked his stash inside of his shirt, <laughs> but he did. He did a really nice job. That was a good stoppage in the Dan Ige fight. He got over there real quick on Gavin and stuff, and he's just a great referee. So it was very good to see him finally working in Nevada where he should have been a while ago. I was going to give him a hard time. Good good job by Nevada to be smart and bring him in. I was going to text him and tell him it was an early stoppage. (laughs) (laughs) I was. I was. He's like, oh, no, no. I know know how... I've seen him. I never knew what he was like before. I mean, I know he he uh refs some of my fights, but I never knew what he was like before a fight until we started doing commentary and he did our events. He stretches, he gets amped up, he's like asking questions. He's nervous as hell. For and oh, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. So it was uh yeah, it was it's good to see like him finally, like you said, in Nevada, refing some events there. Um I'm the 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 beard in the in the shirt. Yeah, that's a. Is that just 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 out of respect, kind of the that, that's that, kind of the that's wishes. out of respect to uh, certain people in the yeah. UFC that uh, don't like it? So he says, "Well, I, I can do this, and that's to make them happy." Yeah, I mean, hey, you know what? Though I'm glad, I'm glad that we get to have him there. He is the best ref. <laughs> I love it. I love to say that in front of John. No, I mean, I'm not t- refereeing. I've refereed in three years, dude. But I like him. I like him and Herzog both. I like both of them. Yeah, they're outstanding. You know, they're both um, great referees. A lot of people like to get, I, I do mention, uh, I have a, like a dislike for Herb. I don't have a dislike for Herb. I, Herb and I have had some issues before in the past in terms of some fights where he's missed a lot of calls or he's given the person I'm fighting like seven or eight warnings for you know, grabbing the fence or poking me in the eye. And it's been like, okay, how many times are you gonna let him keep doing this? And he's continuously just and without taking any points. Um, you know, it just, that, that was kind of more my frustration with Herb throughout my career. And I had, it, it just seemed to happen with him all the time. So it's unfortunate, but I don't have any hard feeling toward him. It's like I said, at the end of my, now at the end of your career, when you're done fighting, you look back and I'm like, eh, I kind of, I do like him. I like him as a person. He's a nice good guy. guy. Every time he's I talk to him, guy. he's a nice guy. So I love the guy. Oh, uh, let's go. Oh, so, one, one, one thing I got, we got to bring up, man. Uh, the passing of Marvin Hagler, Marvin Hagler, who was one of my favorite boxers of all time, died tonight at the age of 66 and he died. I, we, they don't, they haven't said really what it's from. He had a hard time breathing, had some pains in his chest, went to the hospital and about four hours later, he was pronounced dead. And, uh, here's a guy that was, you talk about incredible fighter. Marvin Hagler was incredible. And I, I just want to bring up a couple of things that this guy did because, you know, coming out of Brockton, Massachusetts and with the Petronelli brothers and the people that he worked out with. And, you know, he was, he was held out of world title fights for a long time. He had two losses in his career. He had, he had a draw to uh, sugar Ray seals and he had two losses, uh, Semi-early, probably had about 20 wins at the time. He lost to, I think, Bobby Watts, and then he lost to Willie Monroe. And all of those fights, Sugar Ray Seals, he came back and he beat. 
So that draw, he went, came back and he won that. Bobby Watts, he came back and he knocked out Bobby Watts in two rounds. I think it was two or three rounds. And then he came back and he beat Millie, uh, Willie Monroe by a TKO. So he also fought Vito Antifermo. If you watch that fight the very first time they fought, it was a draw. Vito Antifermo was the uh, middleweight world champion at the time. And marvelous Marvin Hagler got ripped off. He won that fight. I can remember watching that fight when I was younger. I was probably 18 at the time or so when he it was like in 1979. So I wasn't quite 18, but I remember what, sitting there watching that fight and it was clear that he won the fight and it was done in Italy where Vito was from. He got a draw and he came back. Uh, he Vito loses the title, a guy named Alan Minter. And that's when marvelous Marvin Hagler became the champion. He wins in 1980. He wins the middleweight title. He held on to that thing for seven straight years, defending it against guys like that big, the fight that everyone remembers, Thomas Hearns and that yeah. magical three-round fight. Jeez. You know, Thomas Hearns was 40, had a record of 40 and one at the time of that fight. You know, Hagler was just remarkable. And if you look at his career, 52 knockouts, he was 62, three and two. And his last loss is the only loss and that was against Sugar Ray Leonard, where if you go back and watch it, you know, a lot of people say eh, Sugar Ray did not win that fight, but it's the only one that he wasn't able to avenge or he didn't get a win against. That's the only guy that has an unavenged loss uh, with Marvin Hagler. So he was special. He was outstanding. Man. Yeah, I obviously he was a little bit before my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's but okay. I, but I did watch the Hearns fight probably 20 times yeah. you know and uh it actually comes up on my memories now all the time for facebook and uh, you know other social media stuff and just like i see it all around all the time and i'm sure i'm gonna see it a lot lately coming up um sad it's always sad to see someone die at a young age you know who was just phenomenal and just a specimen too physically just like oh. Just like a, like, rock. like a rock, like a rock, like a Greek god. Yeah. That what was the drama after he fought Sugar Ray Leonard? That didn't wasn't they supposed to do a rematch and Sugar Ray like they pushed it off and pushed it off and they never actually yes. took the fight. Yeah, yeah. There was a well, lot. The, of well, there was you know Marvin didn't he didn't duck anyone because if you go and you look you know you got to figure as people were coming up you know Roberto Duran was one of my favorites also and he came up from the lightweights and then came into welterweights and he beat Sugar Ray Leonard and then he had the famous no moss and then he went higher you know and he got knocked out bad by thomas hearns but he fought marvin Hagler, and marvin Hagler had a fight against there was a guy named john the beast mugabe and john the beast mugabe at the time was 25 and 0 as far as his record with 25 knockouts <laughs> that's awesome dude come on he had 25 wins not one went to a decision everyone a knock he knocked everybody out and uh, Marvin Hagler knocked him out in the 11th round. And John the Beast Mugabe said, he goes, that guy's got a chin like nobody I've ever... Jeez. He goes, I hit him with an uppercut. That, that What did he say? Something about the uppercut. That uppercut would have rattled the bones of my ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, and he barely flinched. Yeah. And so he fought everybody. He didn't duck anybody. He was just, you know, awesome. He always, he always wore the velour velvet, like, trunks and uh, the high socks remember the i don't know you don't remember the old socks in the I 70s do. 
it was like the athletic socks with the, the two bands the two or three stripes. bands. Yeah. Yeah. He always wore those. And so I just love the guy. He was just, he was one of my favorites to watch, but his fight with Ray Leonard didn't go his way. And then he wanted to rematch and then it was just being put off. And he said, that's it. I'm retired. Well, I think a lot of left. people had a hard time with him because he wasn't very marketable. Like in terms of like friendly marketable is from what I understand. Like he wasn't somebody that, that, that had the sugar Ray and Leonard look, the charisma, all that stuff. He was very dry. He was, but he, I heard he was a nice guy, but I'm saying super I, nice guy. I met him. Yeah. He was such a nice guy. Now, you know, obviously he wasn't fighting and stuff yeah. when I met him, but just an incredibly nice guy. Yeah, the stories that like just I've heard some stories around boxing gyms of people that knew him and this and that. I mean, I don't know anything specific in terms of, but they just said like it, when it came to the marketability, they wanted to market someone like a Sugar Ray Leonard. They wanted to oh, market, of yeah, you know, who had a, a little bit of that flam like good looking, spoke well, was just I guess easier to sell to the public. But he just was an, a stone cold killer. And I watch, I, you know, like I said, I've watched that Hearns fight 20, 30 times, probably at least. Oh, well, he was, you know, he was a southpaw, but he had a piston, just a, a jab with his right hand that would just kill guys. Yeah. And he would just flick that jab out time and time again. And then he'd bring a big left hand either to the body or up top. And he was, he was just a workman-like effort every time he went out there, always came forward, always came in. You know, never backed off anyone. And just, I love the guy. You know, he reminds me a little bit now that I'm, I'm sitting here watching some of his clips. He reminds me a little bit of Vander Holyfield. Yeah, a lot. Little style that of yeah. a little bit of a bounce in his yeah. step. And I didn't really just click until this very moment that I had seen him fight. Like I just, the two things, the way that they were so chiseled, both of them were extremely chiseled, you know, oh, yeah. take big shots and just keep delivering and stuff. Great. He's just fun to watch fight though. That right there. That's the John, the beast Mugabe fight right there crazy yeah um rest in peace legend i mean nothing else best wishes to his family and uh everyone close to him yeah but a sad day for the sport of boxing sad day for the, the combat sport in general combat sports world lost a good one um all right let's go to mybookie.ag mybookie.com use the promo code wayne in and they'll give you some extra cash guys you can't beat that and so uh, we got some fights coming up this week as well but look, before we get into this fight card coming up, uh, we'll talk just the main event like we normally do uh, for this tonight. But let's talk about this fight because you and I were talking about who Tony Ferguson was going to potentially fight next. We said maybe Islam Makachev, you know, somebody else maybe in there. But guess what? We brought up real quick. We kind of just combed over it was Benil Dariush. We, we said this. We talked we, about Benil getting that fight. Benil getting that fight. And I figured possibly it would happen because guess what? Ali has a hard-on for Tony Ferguson, who is the manager of Benil, the manager of Khabib, the manager of Islam. He's got this thing where he sees right now that Tony is willing to go ahead and continue fighting all of his guys, and Ali is going to try to make it a stepping stone. He's going to try to build off of Tony's career all of his guys, and he has Benil right now in that position to do that. Well, right now... If you're looking at Benil and what he's been able to do lately, his stand-up has gotten so much better. I, I'm telling you, Benil used to come to grappling tournaments at my gym and compete. And uh, his grappling is so good now. And just take a look at the last, you know, complement of, you know, five fights that he's had. Well, say, I, think, I think he's on a six-fight win streak. His last loss was to Alexander uh, Hernandez, but 
he's he's on a roll. He looked unbelievably good against Scott Holtzman. I thought that his fight with Diego was a good fight. It was a tight fight. It was close. It was a split decision victory, but I thought he did win it. But he also had the, he had that war with Drakkar Close where you know they were just going crazy, and then he knocked Close out. Uh, he's just looked good, and right now, I never think that Benil's that fast of a fighter, but I think he's faster than Tony, and Tony's going to have to really be able to put pressure on him. It's not that Tony can't win that fight. He can, but he's not a favorite in it. I don't think he's a, he's a sizable favorite. He, he may end up being a, you know, a small favorite, but it's not going to be big. It's a, it's, if you're Ali and you're looking at trying to push your guy over the top by using someone else's name, he got a great matchup for Benil. Yeah. Look, what you guys, I get this, you guys come to this to our to our podcast for this type of information. The bottom line is is Tony Ferguson with two losses is not the same Tony Ferguson that beat my ass. No. He's not mentally the same person. So to sit here and say that he is and that Tony, no, it's not. The thing is, you have to understand after two losses, you start questioning everything that you're doing. You see Tony now at wild card working with Freddie Roach. Yeah. You see Tony at his gym now posting videos of him grappling and training with like top-level jiu-jitsu guys. You see him changing everything that he's doing because he has doubts. Which is all good. It is all good, but is it though, John? It is good, <laughs> but here's the thing. You cannot change who you are in one fight camp. You can't, just because you're bringing in more people or just because you're working new things, it's not going to all happen in one fight camp. And this is the problem what fighters do as they get older in their career. They start trying to make changes thinking that it's going to be better. It's not. It's not that the changes need to be made. It's that you're older. Those are the, and you can't change that. The speed is not the same. The ability to take damage is not the same. All those things are, are not the same. And it, it's, it happens to everyone. And look, uh, I'm not, and I'm not other saying times, other times a motherfucker. And I'm not saying he can't beat Darius. I'm not saying that at all. No, what he can. I, what I'm saying is that two losses in a row against very, very tough guys. There's no doubt. These guys are two of the best in the world. Yeah, but, the, but let's be honest. That's eight rounds that he fought. He didn't win one. Yeah. And it was bad. It was bad. Yeah. It didn't look good. It just that amount of damage. And now you're fighting somebody who's just on a roll. His confidence is here. Your confidence is not there. We talk about this sport is always about what? Confidence, John. Confidence we is know key, baby. It's confidence key in is this. Key. It's key in any sport, but it's most important in this sport. That's the most important thing I feel like in this sport is confidence. If your confidence is not at the highest, you will never get to the top level. Tony never lacks confidence, I don't think. Okay? That's not his problem. But the thing is, you start thinking and doubting a little bit, you know, with two losses of people that you think you could have beat or you should have beat. You have the potential to beat because you were on a 13 or a 13 or 14 fight win streak. That's gone now. You start doubting everything. And the reason why then, when you start doubting, right. you start changing what you're doing. And then that affects how you actually fight. I don't care who you are. You know, I don't care what you have done, what you've accomplished. Every human being has doubts. Yeah. But the more that you go through what you do and you are successful, the easier it is for you to go and do it the next time based upon that success. And when that success has stopped and now you've had failure, which every human being is going to have failure, but you have failure, you've got to be able to look and take that failure and say, okay, what occurred? How do I make sure that that doesn't happen again? What do I need to do to change 
to make myself the person that can deal with what just happened? That's the real question. That's why I do like what I'm seeing out of Tony with he's starting to train. He was training a lot on his own. He was bringing in just a couple of guys doing his own little thing. And anytime that you're training yourself, not a good situation. Yeah. You're not seeing things the same as the coach is going to see. You're not seeing little, little things that you're starting to get lax in little flaws in your, in your technique and your style. So I love the fact that he is at least working out at wild card and getting some, you know, advice on his stand up, on his hands, a little bit different. He's, he's great with coming in with his elbows. I'm not saying that, you know, please do not become a boxer. No, because that is definitely not going to work for you, but little tiny things in technique might be a difference maker as he moves forward. So that's a good thing. And then with the ground, you know, when you get, uh, put in positions like he did with Charles Oliveira, when you believe that that cannot happen, uh, I don't care how good someone is on the ground. I'm really good on the ground and they're not going to be able to just mount me and do these things. And then it happens. It's telling you again, I may not be at the level I thought I was. And there's guys that are ahead of me in that level. I need to learn more. That's a good thing. I'm glad he's doing that. So he's going to find out that Benil in the standup, he's got it going right now. He understands his length. He understands when he's sliding his feet in so he can you know, do his damage and where he wants to go to exit out. And then on the ground, he's good, man. He is really good. I think that Tony has an advantage in the wrestling category, but not that much now. You know, Benil's good with his wrestling. So it, this is going to be a tight fight. It's close. Yeah, I think it really comes down to how Tony uses his front kick to keep the distance and the range. Benil's going to walk forward. Tony's going to have to use that front kick to keep him at bay. Stay long with the punching, and when they get in close, Tony's nasty with his elbow. He's got to stay on top on top of that. But Neil leaves himself out of position all the time. Okay, bingo. And so when he reaches in something, and Tony can make him miss and counter with an elbow, this make fight, him pay. Yeah, make him pay every single time. That Tony has all the ability. There's there's, oh, yeah. there's never been a doubt about that. And and look, and, I, and I'm not saying that it's not good. He's not working with Freddie Roach. It's not good. It's, it's, I'm not saying that it's not good that he's working with new people. What I'm saying is sometimes when older fighters or any fighter that has not ha has ran out of success, that is having problems with doing what they've always done and not working, they train with someone new. And then when they get in the, in the cage or they get into the boxing ring, all of a sudden, they're thinking too much, and they're not the yep. same fighter. So I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Do, do I think it's good? Yeah, of course it's good. But I just don't want him to go out there and change who he is. And you talked, you just said that a second ago. You can't change who Tony Ferguson is. He's got to still stay on top of what he's doing. But that's the great thing about dealing with guys like Tony and any guy who's been in the sport for this long. A coach like Freddie Roach, all he's got to do is tell him one or two little things, and that'll make a huge difference. Yeah. As long as Tony can implement it, which most guys at his level can. All you have to do is say tweak here, tweak there, and it makes a big difference. But when what happens with some coaches, right? You get a star kind of MMA guy or star boxer, and they start trying to change all this shit. No, no. Now that fighter needs to go out there and think. No, for, for 20 years or for 15 years, Tony hasn't really been thinking because it came natural to him. Now you're going to yep. go out there and change it and make him think. That's not how Tony fights. Tony fights off of instinct. He doesn't go out there and think about it. He just does it. And it goes, I mean, if you guys don't think that, you guys are foolish. Think about the things you guys watch him do. He doesn't take, I took him down. 
He rolled right into a, a full roll, came back out onto his feet. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not taking you any down anymore. Like, he, that's just instinct to him. He just, he drilled it. He did it a couple times. He just lets the fight happen, you know, and you can't change that. You can't change that type of fighter. And so I just don't want him to overthink it. I think he's got all the abilities to go ahead and beat Dariush. It's going to be a good fight. But we had talked about this fight potentially happening and how good of a fight it would be because they both are a little bit taller, a little bit longer, 5'10", 6 foot, 155, they're 31, 37 years old. The reach is, I don't see it in there. But anyways, yeah, but it's, but regardless, they look like they have about the same body frames. I give Dariush a little bit thickerness and Tony probably a little bit uh, longer and lankier. Close. Yeah. I know D Dariush has more gray hair and more <laughs> hair. <laughs> Even Dar though he's 31. Dariush reminds me of that guy. There was a guy on on American Idol with like gray hair. He was like in his 20s. And he won oh, the, yeah, he yeah, won yeah, the yeah, thing. Yeah. I can't remember the guy's yeah, name. I remember that. Yeah, he was like in his 20s or something like that. Yeah, he, he had, had full, head, full head of gray hair. Full head of gray hair. He was in his 20s and he won the thing. I'm like, God, how are you going to market this guy? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm going to be five more years after working with you. Oh, yeah. Sorry, to get more gray since I've been Bro, you don't even have hair. What are you talking about? Yeah. Nice, beautiful. Nice. Well, the, you know, one of the things that's been happening there with, with Benil is he's been asking for that fight with a guy in the upper ranks. And, you know, it wasn't happening. Finally, he got it. So, yeah. hey, again, this is, you know, this is one of those ones, be careful what you wish for, but this is a good thing for him. And I'm glad he finally got that fight. Yeah, you got Benil at nine. You've got Tony at five. Um, it, I would imagine there, it sounds like uh, Islam and RDA are pretty much talking themselves into a fight. So that <laughs> that pretty much potentially can happen. I'm, I'm understanding that that may even happen before July, before Ramadan. So June or July, whenever Ramadan starts. Um, so that fight may potentially happen before then. So if that happens, then that's great. You have Paul Felder somewhere in that mix as well. You know, I, I would say maybe Dan Hooker and Tony, only based on the fact that they're both kind of tall, long, and lanky kind of thing. But. I mean, now we have Darius. I think it makes for a great fight. You know, like I said, Darius leaves himself out of position. Tony can capitalize on that. Tony, I think to me is, is um, I don't want to say the better grappler, but he's the sneakier grappler. He's got more tricks up his sleeves on how he sets things up. So. Darius is damn good. Yeah. Physically damn stronger. Good. I, think, I think Tony's not a strong guy. He's just got big hands, good wrist control. You know, from what I from what I remember, <laughs> so you know ah. what I mean. But uh, overall, like, it, can you remember back that far? No, nah, man, I barely remember why. <laughs> yesterday, um, uh, all right. What else do we got? Um, we can roll into fan questions. No, let's pull up the fight card for next week. I want to talk about the main event. Don't, the don't main event is okay. Rest of the card, I'm just not too thrilled with. Yeah, but the rest of the card that, tonight wasn't that, all that great either. We thought, but then it ended up playing out. There were some good oh, fights. No, no, on no, there. no, no, no. There was a lot of fights I, I thought were going to. I really? thought that the well, I thought the Dan Ige Gavin Tucker fight was going to be a really good fight, and it was if you're a Dan Ige yeah. fan. So yeah, it didn't quite turn out the way. But Gregor Gillespie against Brad Riddell, that's going to be a good fight. That's a fun mm -hmm. fight, you know. And I, I do like the Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland. I think that's a a good matchup. Yeah, to, let's let's get into that Kevin Hall and Derek Brunson fight. This is this is Mr. Big Mouth shot. Yeah, this is. is his shot right here. I'm telling you right now. If you pull up the rankings there, Dave, you're gonna find out where's where's Derek Brunson. He's what six somewhere in there. He's got to be in that six seven category. 
Brunson, Bronson, seven. Yeah, seven, six or seven. And then Kevin Holland yeah. is number ten. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's a perfect matchup. I feel bad for Derek because you know he's trying to get up to that title shot, and now he's having to fight guys that are ranked below him. Yeah, but you know, it's funny because Derek has had that career where when he gets put in in that fight that you think is gonna be the one, if he wins that, he's gonna bump over into that category, of getting a championship fight, and then he doesn't win it. Yeah. And he had the, you know, he had the one fight with Anderson Silva where you look and you go, I know, and they gave it to Anderson and you look and you go, I don't think he, he lost that fight. I felt bad for him that, but go back, you know, when he fought, do you remember when he fought Yoel Romero? Yep. He was beating Yoel's ass. He was putting it on Yoel for a while. Yeah. And that was the guy you go, man, that dude's scary. And and that's the one that you can look at and you can say his stand up was not that good but his wrestling was outstanding but he was athletic yeah and so his athleticism would get him through that stand-up and you know he started kind of training himself and that was just bluntly it was a disaster mistake <laughs> yep and now he is with sanford mma he's been training with henry hoof he's got all those guys that are there for him as training partners and you know from that point take a look at what's occurred you know, he had those losses and then starting with, uh, uh, what's the guy with the, the long hair from Canada, Elias Theodoro, his fight, he beat Ian Honich. Then he ended up being beating Shabazian who was getting hyped by the UFC. So Kevin Holland's the real deal, but he's got his hands full with Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson still is athletic. And even at his age, I, he is not an easy out. I know he's what 37 years of age or something mm -hmm. like that, but he is athletic. And I, and I do believe the training that he is now getting is making him actually better. He's not a guy that is on the down downward slope of the other side of his career. He's still fighting. Well, it's always when he, you know, again, fought like when he fought Robert Whitaker and just fought, I don't, I'm going to say it just fought stupid, man. Took yeah. Huge chances, big risk. And it's like, you know, that risk can, can end up having a big reward or could have a big, big yeah. problem, big failure with it. And that happened to him, but he's the real deal. I love watching Derek Brunson fight. And, you know, and I thought that the same thing happened with uh, his fight with Shabazzian. People were counting him out. They're saying, oh, Shabazzian was going to beat him. A lot of people are counting. And I, I said, I think, Ke you know, Kevin Holland was the fighter of 2020. You know, he deserved that with everything that he did, all the wins. This is going to be the big test. Yeah, Mr. Big Mouth's got to get it done. I mean, if he can. <laughs> I like the Big Mouth. You know, I mean, he, here's the thing. Jacare took him down pretty easily. Derek Brunson's going to take him down pretty easily. Easier know? than Jacare did. Yes. But will he be able, I mean, the, the length of Holland will, pl will play a factor if he can keep him at bay with that knee shell position you know, kind of just keep him away so he can get back to his feet. And we know Derek Brunson can continue to wrestle. He'll continue to wrestle second and third mm -hmm. round. I just, they're at different stages right now in their confidence level. I know that Brunson's on, yes. he's on a roll. He's got, what, three fights, three wins in a row? Yeah. Yeah, three wins in a row. And he's looked good. He's fought more composed. Hasn't gone out there and just blew his wad like he's been known to do. Um, He's... Like I said, he's fighting more composed, and he's he's staying right there where he needs to be. I think with Kevin Holland, will he let this big step up in competition get to him and do what Derek Brunson used to do? Will he blow his wad? 
that position. So it really comes down to how often he can stop the takedown and make and make Brunson pay for it. Just Brunson's a tough fight, I think, for anyone, for anybody, especially with his ability, his wrestling ability, his striking's getting better, the way he's learning how to control his his emotions in the cage and not fighting stupid, like you said. I mean, if you go back and watch that Yoel Romero fight, jeez, man, oh. he was piecing him up. He was beating. Yeah. He, he was do he was he looked phenomenal, and then third round came. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> so, but uh, but up until then, it was a good fight, man. It was a great yeah. fight, and Brunson was one of that fight. He's got to dip back into that hat a little bit and and uh, and fight with that type of uh, mentality. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a good fight, though. Overall, it's gonna be a good fight. We're gonna see if Mister Big Mouth can get it done. I'm excited. I like. I love when there's new talent coming up. You know, some something new to talk about. Yeah, someone that you you look at and you go, he could be something. And, and again, we go back to confidence. I love the fact, I love how confident Kevin Holland is, man. He's confident in his ability and, and things have been going well for him. So he should be. You know? I like guys that talk to other guys when they're fighting. I never did it. He talks, he talks the whole time. Bro. Yeah. I never did it. And I wish, I wish if I could redo my career, that's all I would do. I would just talk to people. It's fucking so frustrating. Oh man, I fought KJ Nunes. Fuck, it was like a, I was like, felt like I was fighting two people in there. It's horrible. <laughs> it's exhausting. I was like, man, I'm kicking your ass and you're fucking making me tired. It's like ridiculous just by talking shit to me. Ooh, do you see those pictures there? Bilal no. Muhammad's eye. Oh, it looks good. Oh. I feel bad for Bilal. He's a he is a tough dude, man. And, yeah. And, I love the fact that he took that fight on, you know, such short notice against a, a guy that we all know as a stud. And, you know, the, the thing is you saw the, the emotion of Bilal said it all because he was looking, you know, this was his chance to do something to get himself where, you know, he's been trying to get yeah. and one eye poke and it was gone. So I really felt bad. for him. Yeah. You knew when he started like, kind of crying a little bit but he, yeah. it was bad yeah. it was bad just emotion and yeah it was he was just upset he knew he said his dream was gone his his first big main event you know and the opportunity and chance like look this catapults me into that top five of the win ah oh, it's gotta be frustrating but like he said he, he's hoping to run it back i could see them running it back it's a possibility i could see them running that back i mean it, the fight hadn't gone long enough to really see how the fight was going to play out um, yep. like I said, he's a junkyard dog. He's someone's going to keep coming out there, making a dog fight coming in the third, fourth and fifth round. Leon look was looking great, you know, but we didn't get enough of it. We didn't get to see enough. So oh, I can see them running that back to see. Leon Edwards, so these are like kind of their first statement since the fight tonight. Um, you know, Balao saying that he's no permanent damage. He wants to run it back. Uh, but apparently Leon Edwards in his post fight says, um, he that he doesn't see any point in running the bank yeah i mean like leon said the writing was on the wall like i was gonna put him away um, i mean he said i only fought him because all the other guys turned me down uh the writing was on the wall i was winning the fight clearly and i don't feel i need to fight him again i need to move forward hmm. <laughs> well yeah you cannot blame leon for what he's saying there he's trying to get a championship fight i don't blame him and you know best of luck to you in getting it but if they don't give it to you i'd like to see that fight brought back yeah yep 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 have has leon fought stephen thompson no i think i we talked about that i said that was a fight i would love to see put stephen thompson against leon every, and uh, everyone's there you're an idiot stephen thompson's hurt you can't make that fight 
hey guys, I talked to Stephen Thompson. I know what he can do. <laughs> so I'm not that big of an idiot, oh. even though you're saying that. Stephen will take that yeah. fight right now. You guys. He was on our show, Stephen Thompson was, and he oh, said, good. like, I could be ready in a couple of weeks. Yep. That was a month ago. <laughs> I know. Like, so, yeah, he's always training. He's always ready. Always All, training. Yeah, and you got to remember, when you guys get, um, when, when fighters get um, what suspensions, all they have to do is go to the doctor and prove that they're okay and they can fight. That's it. Once all they get cleared, it's not like they have to wait the whole 180 days or whatever nope. it is. As long as they have a doctor sign it off, nope. they're good to go. They're good to go. Um, Dave, let's get into some fan questions. What you got for us, buddy? Let's do it, man. Um, let's do it, man. Uh, all right. So I've got Scott who who asks Scott who huh? Scott huh? who. He wants to know, are you two planning to have the show together in the same room soon with interviews? Oh, with interviews. Uh, No. (laughs) Well, we'll be traveling soon. Um, You know, but here's the thing. When we travel for Bellator, you guys have to understand that we're stuck in quarantine during this time. So we may have to film from opposite rooms. We would like to drop our shows on either like Tuesday or Wednesday morning early. Something like that. Try to keep a routine for you guys to follow. But even if we aren't able to keep that routine, you guys, you guys got to hit that little bell off to the bottom right corner. That'll give you guys notifications on when our stuff is coming out because we drop almost every time on Sunday morning. We drop at 6 a.m., 6 to 8 a.m., but we're also playing around with some of the uh, the graphics right now. Algorithm. The algorithms, and we're seeing we're which all times about are algorithms. best for us. And so last week, last week we dropped early Wednesday morning. We normally drop Thursday morning. Well, we ended up doing a lot better views on this show, uh, last week's midweek show. And so we're we're going to try it again this week and, and try and drop again probably on Wednesday again. So we're still kind of playing with it. We just appreciate you guys um, following us. Hit the thumbs up, share our videos, all those things. But the main thing is hitting that bell because then that'll let you guys know when we drop. So you guys don't have to keep checking on YouTube to see when, we're, when our newest show is coming out. So if you guys can do that, that'd be wonderful. And um, also, if you guys have any other issues, like find out like when we drop, um, we still kind of hit up on Twitter. I still say, hey, our next show, I'm about to head to the studio on my Twitter. So at the real punk and also on my social, on my Instagram is at the real punk. So if you guys can give us a follow and John has John McCarthy MMA for both, right? Twitter and uh, Instagram, yep. correct? Make so, it easy. Yeah, make it easy. So, um, yeah. What you got for us on fan questions? Uh, NG Lev asks, uh, I know I know I'm late, but I have a question for John. What would have happened in Stipe DC3 if DC said he couldn't continue due to the eye poke? Considering Goddard didn't see it and it was a title fight, I'm wondering how that would have been handled hypothetically. Well, since it was not called during the actual fight, the DC said that he could not uh, go on in the fight fight would have been called and it would have been a TKO loss for DC, a victory for Steve A. He would have kept his championship. If, yeah. if a foul happens, but it's not called like it didn't happen. I know that doesn't seem fair, but that's just the way it is. Josh is the perfect example. You know, when I, I was refing his fight with uh, Patricky, uh, they come together where the angle that I'm at, I see a left hand thrown and I see them come together, and when they come together, I see Josh fall down, and then he pops himself back up, and I, I was, I was in that, damn, I can't tell if that was the left hand or if they had a head clash, and then right away, Josh ends up going after him, and he gets hit with a shot, and it puts him down, and I stop the fight, 
But if I had seen that it was clearly a, a clash of heads, I would have stopped that fight at that time, but I did not do that. And because it was a foul, no doubt, when I go back and I watch it on film, it was a foul because it wasn't the hand that hit him. It was a clash of heads. But if I don't call it, like it didn't happen. And because of that, I retired. <laughs> hey, you're, <laughs> hold it, hold it. You're welcome. Thank you. Greatest <laughs> moment of my life. Greatest <laughs> moment of my life. What else you got for us? Uh, Glass Fanatic asks, do you think Anderson Silva could have been double champ during his prime against guys like Shogun, Rashad Evans, Rashad Evans or John Jones? Who's this? Uh, yes, Anderson absolutely. Here, let, 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 let's make it as simple as you can make it. You know, uh, Anderson Silva was the 185 pound champ. He mm -hmm. did fight a guy who was the 205 pound champ for a while who beat Quentin Jackson and then lost his title to Rashad Evans, who was Forrest Griffin. And how did that fight go for Forrest? Yeah, he got pieced up. He got pieced up badly. So could Anderson Silva? Yeah, it, it really depends. You know, if you're saying how would Anderson Silva have done against John Jones, that's a different time frame in Anderson's career also. So it depends on what part of the time frame of his career you're talking about. Uh, could, could Anderson have beaten Rashad Evans? I think he could have. Uh, I'm not saying it would happen, but yeah, he definitely has the talent. He could have beaten Rashad. Um, and honestly, he could have beaten Shogun. Uh, knowing what happened in training at Shootbox back then, not a lot of the guys like to train with Anderson in the stand-up. So. Yeah, the other thing people need to remember is that Anderson also fought at 170. Yeah, early yeah. in his career. Yeah, early in his career. So he used to fight at 170 as well. He was good there as well. Um, yeah, he could, he was one of those, he had one of those body styles, long and lanky and was, he could have fought at 170, could have fought at 85. He probably felt most comfortable at 85, didn't have to cut a lot of weight, was fast, you know, great footwork, good hand speed, you know, very precise, very on target with all of his strikes and his punches. So, you know, I would have liked to have seen him go up to 205 before I, I would have liked to have seen him the early John Jones, well, right? When John won the title, I would have liked to have seen it then. He fought several times at 205 while he was the middleweight champion. Yeah. You know, let's take a look. You know, his fight against his first one was against James Irvin. Yes. And that was to uh, the UFC put a, a show together real fast to to counter program affliction one, <laughs> you know. And so that was his first fight for the UFC at light heavyweight. Then he fought um, Forrest Griffin. Then he fought uh, his one of his last you know, fights before he lost his championship was to uh, Stefan Bonner. That was at 205. I forgot so, about that fight. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the Forrest one. Um, all right, what else he you won got? A, he won all of them. Um, John Irwin wants to know, who do you guys believe in all honesty is the top five fighters of all time, hands down? Oh, the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Go, Josh. Um. Okay, are we doing PEDs or no PEDs? <laughs> I'm, I'm just I, look i want to ask look i got some flack on the on the goat conversation and about like look i'm saying i i broke it down on the goat conversation if you're counting cyborg is terms of being uh with steroids she's been tested i say she's the goat still what did she uh, get tested for though i don't know i don't keep track of you got popped for a diuretic okay well what's what's the diuretic for diuretics usually for masking steroids from what i understand well it can be that or it could be for losing weight yeah, this is true as well. He's trying to true. lose water. Yeah. So, but regardless, it's considered performance enhancing, correct? 
okay. I mean, <laughs> that's the, but I mean, it's yeah, not, you, it's not, yeah. I, and I'm not saying, you know, look, yeah. there could have been other things. So yeah. I, I look at it this way. And this is where people are going to look and say, Josh, you're crazy because Amanda Nunez and Chris Cyborg fought each other mm-hmm. and it wasn't close. Amanda walked away with a big win, knocked her out. Mm-hmm. And they're right. They're absolutely right. So if you beat someone, that means you're a better fighter. Mm-hmm. No, not always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just not yeah. the truth. Well, we're having this conversation about goats, but why wouldn't that apply then? Shouldn't Matt Sarah be the goat then? Because he knocked out GSP. I, th- I think because that was a lot of the explanation that I got was, well, that's stupid. They fought and then that person won and they're better. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to look it over. When you're talking the greatest of all time, you look at the duration in which they were the best. Okay. And right now, Cyborg, whether she got in trouble or not. Okay. I I look, I get it. If we want to push her out, I'm fine with that too. If you want to just say it's only for people that have not uh, been tested or been suspended for PEDs, Fine, then okay, I can throw in the Amanda area there, but I would also put Shevchenko in there. I'd put her in a close one there because she's fighting below the weight class she should be fighting at, and she had very two good, very good fights with someone who's obviously a lot bigger than her, you know. And sure, Amanda's probably edged her out. I give Amanda the edge over the whole thing. The only reason why I include Cyborg in there is that for everyone, if they're everyone that wants to include John Jones, okay, let's include John Jones then if that's the case. I'm just simply saying, if you're putting them all together, the greatest of all times, the people that I have at the top, if you want to just not even say like, oh, PEDs, okay, whatever, just ignore it. Okay, fine. To me, John Jones is number one. Then I have, then I have GSP. Then I've got, yeah, I've got John Jones, GSP. I've got Cyborg. Then I've got probably somewhere in there, Amanda Nunes. And then I'm trying to figure out maybe the fifth. Yeah. I put really? I, mean, I put girls in there. I got to put the girls in there or the females. Sorry, girls, the females. Okay. I've got to put the females in there to understand like they do have their sport has not caught up to where the men is because they have a lack. There's not a lot of women that fight, but they've gone. They've got a long way. They've come a long ways. And because of cyber, because of girls like Gina Carano, because of girls like Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey, they've come a lot. Marlos Conan, they've come a long way. And I think that those two, to me, when I look at them, and with Shevchenko, the three of them stand out to me. And so I, I want to include the, the females in there because they don't get enough credit. But, but once I get past, once I get past John Jones, GSP, and whether it's like Cyborg and Amanda, after that, it's really like you guys just fill in the spots. It's I don't know who would be next. The fifty-five pound division done this because there's so much talent there. You know, it's hard to be the, the best there. I'd probably maybe put Aldo in there at number, f- I guess maybe number five. I don't know, because he had it for so long. He was like 10, 11 years undefeated, 11 years. Yeah, 10 years, yeah. I mean, who who else though? Like, John, like, give, me, give me some other names. First off, I have a hard time talking about GOAT when they're still fighting. Yeah. Because it, you could say that about Anderson Silva. Was he the goat? Well, at one time, everyone called him the goat. And now no one does. And you take a look at his, you know, record in the end. So it, it really depends on when the person is gone. You know, Fedor, he was the goat. Now, he, you look at the end of his career, he's had some losses and things like that. So 
if you're going to tell, you know, ask me, I usually go by weight classes and I will tell you, Fedor was the, the best heavyweight I ever saw. Now, Stipe is up, is, is coming up. He still has not completed anything close to what Fedor did throughout his career, the amount of the win streak or anything like that. So Fedor is the best heavyweight I ever saw. John Jones is the best light heavyweight I ever saw. Mm. Anderson Silva is the best middleweight I ever saw. George St. Pierre is the best welterweight I ever saw. Khabib is the best lightweight I've ever seen. Um, Aldo was the best featherweight I ever saw. So you can go by weight classes and things that like makes that. Sense. That does make a lot more sense. When you put it that way and you break it down that way, good job, John. Nicely done. Nicely done. There you go. When you're talking about, you know, the women, like you're saying, you know, the best 145-pound fighter, you know, because she fought her entire career there, it's Cyborg. If you're looking at the best 135-pound fighter, it's Amanda Nunez, I would say. Um, You can go and look at other women in, you know, there that are there, and, you know, Ronda Rousey's there and things like that. But, you got to be honest. If you're looking at the 125s, pretty clear. It's Shevchenko. She's the best that I've seen in that division. If you're looking at the 115s, that's where you can kind of, you know, there, there's been a lot of movement with, you know, at a, for a while it was Ioana, you know, and that, that has kind of changed over a little bit of time here. So, we, you know, it, it's exactly what you're saying. There just hasn't been that time structure with, women's MMA that's the same as the men to have that same you know length of time to give you that oh this is the person but you know if you're looking in you know the two best women fighters right now if you're going to look at them it's Amanda Nunez and Chris Cyborg Mm -hmm. yeah you know I think it was better put instead of just saying the top five I liked how you did the breakdown of the best the best heavyweight was Fedor the best light heavyweight was John Jones the best 85 pounder was Anderson Best 70-pounder was GSP, and lightweight was Khabib, you know, yep. Aldo, you know, and then if you get further, I mean, Demetrius Johnson was the best 25-pounder. Yeah, and, then and I thir- would say Dominic, Dominic Cruz was probably the best 135-er there's ever been as far as for a length of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say he'd, he'd probably be the guy. Yeah. I, I wonder where Henry would have been in all that. Like how he can fight. Yeah. Henry, Henry just didn't fight long enough in that yeah. weight class for me to be able to put him there too busy chasing I know, I, Olympic gold and, medals. And yes, he beat Dominic. Yeah. But that's not that's not the way you can look at it. Yeah, because you look at like when you're talking about the greatest of all time, like how much did Fedor ruin his legacy by fighting till till now? You know what I mean? Like he's you know, that, that well, type of person. Anderson Silva, same thing. Dave, you know? do me a favor. Stop that thing. Take take a look at Fedor's record, and I want you to stop it. Uh, let's say at Pedro Hizo. No, uh, you went too far. Too far? Pedro. Yep. Stop right there. Oh, you just went too far again. There, there is. Pedro. Not listening. Pedro Hizo. <laughs> yeah, where, do you want to just stop? Bomb? Okay. okay, that was where about you say, okay, that should have been close to the end right there. Yeah. So if you go and you look at that, he had, you know, three wins in his last three fights. Pedro Hizzo, Ishii, and Jeff Monson. Okay, he had losses uh, to Fabricio Verdum, then Antonio Bigfoot Silva, and Dan Henderson uh, before those. But then if you look at his win record after the Fabricio Verdum 
the ones all the win record before the Fabrice Verdum fight go back up now. Keep on yeah. going. Take a look at that green. Take a yeah. look at the amount of wins because he honestly was undefeated in his career all the way up to that point. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. And when people sit there and say, "Oh, you didn't fight anybody," you are fucking high. Crazy. He fought some studs. Yeah. They, look at this. Beat them all. So he, so he lost to Osaka, right? But it was a, it was a well, doctor stoppage. It shouldn't yeah. have been a doctor stoppage. Look at the time on the clock. Yeah, seventeen seconds in the first. Okay, round. and it was an illegal elbow because elbows were not allowed, and an elbow caused a cut on him. Yeah, and someone had to move forward. It was a tournament, yeah. so they gave him a loss. It was so never scroll down, scroll down, back to the beginning. Okay, no, no, down. <laughs> so when you're talking about who he fought. So he fought Takata, he fought Ricardo Arona, he fought Kosaka, he fought uh, Kerry Shaw, he fought Babalu. Uh, Babalu, he fought, go back, scroll up more. Yanagasawa, who was big out of uh, Pancras, Chris yeah. Hosman, who was out of uh, Australia, Semi Schilt, who was who, a big time K1. 7-2, 7-2, correct? <laughs> yeah. Trying to find a guy 7-2 in here, Fedor's only, what, 6 foot, maybe 6-1? Yep, Heath Herring. No Guerra, twice, three times actually, but twice that actually counted. Fujita, Vita, Gary uh, Goodridge, Mark Mark Coleman twice. Kevin Randleman after Kevin suplexed him on his head. One of the biggest <laughs> highlight. I was shocked that that happened when that happened. I was like, oh my god, he's, he's gonna win. He's this. the one. He's the one that beat Krokop when Krokop was beating everybody. Yeah, he crushed Mark him. Hunt. You just look at the list and you go, you know, and then you go into how many UFC champions did Matthew. Fedor beat. Hung well, man choice. You, you stop it, you know. You can you can even go into you know Frank Mir in Bellator, but you know, he beat Andre Arlovsky, he beat Tim Sylvia. Every time he was Mark Coleman, he, Kevin Randleman, every time he faced a UFC champion that was or a guy that was the UFC champion in the heavyweight division, he beat him. I yeah. think that he had one loss in all of his time. And I'm trying to think of who it was against. And... Can't remember, but pretty amazing. No, he, so oh, when he, yeah. you guys have to remember when he fought Semi Shield, he fought Hungman Choi. Those both those guys were like seven two, seven something foot. Yep, just ridiculous. And you have a guy who is six foot six one, not a big guy. He was never a big heavyweight ever. You know, he was always probably the smallest guy in there when he fought. He was fighting guy like Nogueira was way bigger than him. He fought Nogueira three times, correct? Yep. You know, I mean, just he had fought him. He fought Tim Sylvia, who was also what? Six, 10, six, 11, six, eight, six, eight, six, eight, somewhere yeah. in there. So, you know, six, eight, two eighty five. Brett Rogers was a big guy as well. I mean, he yep. fought some big, big guys. Oh, he fought. Everybody was bigger than him. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Crazy. I, mean, I think the only guy, only guy that I know that was smaller than him was uh, Chael Sonnen. No, the uh, Matt Lindley. He fought Matt Lindley. <laughs> oh, also. Matt Lindley. That's right, too. That's right. Yeah, he fought Matt, fought Matt Lindley in Russia for uh, Bodog. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? Uh, next question comes from this guy, and he wants to know, uh, how do you condition your feet? I am always injuring my feet, kicking elbows, forearms, and skulls. Please help. Stop kicking forearms and, and elbows. Learn how to place your kicks and just don't throw them. <laughs> Anytime you hit an elbow, it's going to hurt your foot. Yeah. It's small bone compared to big bone. It hurts my elbow, too, I will, I will tell you, especially when you get a lot of uh, spurs. chips in there. But it definitely is your your elbow is going to win over the foot. Yeah. Yeah, I've been taking it out of a couple of fights because of I've kicked elbows. 
even with a pad on everything over my my I still yeah I've got pictures of it nasty nasty the whole top of my foot swelled probably like a softball size I had to send it to Sean Shelby right right when the UFC had bought Strike Force my first fight I was I can't remember who I was supposed to fight and um Carlos Fo I think it was Carlos Fodor I was supposed to fight him and I kicked someone's elbow and oh, it was nasty nasty it blew up I could I couldn't put my slipper on my my sandals I couldn't put my, put my sandals on because on. they wouldn't they wouldn't fit I couldn't put my slippers on I couldn't put my slippers on oh man it was horrible oh, funny. um yeah just you got to work on your placement the, you people have to remember that there's a technique behind all this and you have to actually focus on placing your kicks not just who can throw them the hardest so you're trying to do damage without taking damage and so placing your kicks is very important. It's not just throwing wildly, closing your eyes and throwing your kicks or your punches. You've got to place them where you want. You saw a little bit of that tonight for Leon Edwards. Very yeah. accurate with his punches. Uh, I was just going to say that, you know, in fact, the, the poke that occurred was a technique of, you know, you're putting your hand up like you're throwing. So you're bringing someone's hands up. If you're going to go to the body with a kick, you know, you're always trying to move those arms away so that elbow cannot be something that's going to end up contacting your foot so it's everybody that everybody that's ever trained you you got to learn it's yeah. placement of your kicks it's the only way that you're going to get away from hurting your feet on arms and elbows yeah what else you got uh then oops the next one comes from mrs o and she asks for big john did you ever find yourself refereeing a fight that was so good that you almost almost made you forget you were working and brought you out of the brought out the fan in you instead if so, which one? I will tell you that I worked, you know, fights that uh, I absolutely loved while I was working it. And people go, man, do you wish you were sitting there on the side seat? And hell no, man, I can, I can enjoy while I work. And I did many times. And I, uh, there were too many times I was absolutely fanboying out like a big dog during a fight, but not letting anybody know. Well, which fights? I'm not gonna tell you that. <laughs> uh, you're not a ref anymore. Go ahead, spill the beans. Spill give the beans. Give me one fight. <laughs> give you one fight. I will tell you that you know during the um, oh, Eddie Alvarez and uh, Michael Chandler first one. I was second one. Second one. I was absolutely. That's the only one I read. I can't do. First one was done by Troy Wall. Uh, but the second one, I was just absolutely loving what was going on in that fight. It was so fun. I was having such a good time being in there watching and there was little things happening, but it was, you know, easy fight for me to referee because nothing ever really was done. That was bad by any of them. So I was fanboying out like a big dog during it. It was great. I, it's funny. Cause I think fans, even though when they get front row, they don't quite understand like being in the cage. They, they just they don't get the breathing, not even close the breathing the the like you said sometimes the talking the the you know just the feel the spit the, the blood spit, the blood everything. the sounds it's just, there's nothing more natural man than yeah. in life than that it's so fucking it's the awesome. greatest I love it yep. what else you got uh, all right last fine question um is from JD Russell and he asks what top three changes would you make to MMA and his are open scoring, five judges, and half point system with a question mark. Open ju open judges. What else? Open scoring, five judges, and half point system. 
Which one would those, I choose? Those are suggestions that he has, but he asks oh, what other congratulations what other with those suggestions. That's nice. They've already been made by many people. <laughs> but he's saying to the sport, so changes what, what to else? the sport. Like if there was Which one would or... I do? Well, no. Or, or your own. Your own. <clears throat> I would tell you that right now, as far as judging, to sit there and just say, oh, five judges is your answer. It's not. I've, I've worked too many shows that had five judges. Doesn't change a damn thing when the judges don't get what is the most important elements of the fight. So five judges can get it, you know, just as right or just as wrong as the three. Um, the open scoring doesn't do a goddamn thing for anybody. I think it's a ridiculous idea. Well, it, do, it doesn't change anything. And that's the whole thing is, you know, it's good. If, I, I can say that it's okay. It might be interesting to fans if they have it. It may be that a fighter who thinks he's winning, uh, sees that maybe he's not and so he'll go after it more but sometimes fighters that know they're winning they can back off you know i'm not saying that they do a lot but there are ones that will so i i'm not a huge fan of the open scoring because it doesn't change anything really it can make fights worse more of a gimmick yep. yeah it could make why it can make fights worse and what uh, i like to use in the example of oscar de la Hoya when he fought felix trinidad he thought he was winning by a lot you know, and, oh, exactly. and so the la he took the last three or four rounds off dancing around, you know, losing the fight. That's what happens when you, when you, if you have open scoring and the fighter knows that he's up three rounds, now you're going to have him just dancing around, trying to stick a move and stalling. It's going to make yep. the fight even more boring. It has so, happened. You know? So, uh, I would tell you that, you know, the difference in the points, it's a huge difference for the judges. It would help them immensely. You're Right now, you're you're hearing Dana making complaints about oh, there's too many ten eights. Well, if you would you know help if you would help in creating the fact that we could go to something that gives the the judges something they could give a more accurate score with, then you would be helping them. You wouldn't get your ten eights because right now you've got them guessing between a ten nine and a ten eight when a ten eight five would be the perfect score, and a lot of them would put it down, but they don't want to make those changes, so. You're talking about the difference of basically a three-point system compared to a six-point system. It would help the sport. It would help the judges, and it would help fighters who actually win the fight win the fight. There you go. Yeah, my one rule change would be spare elbows. <laughs> just because I know. elbows? Yeah, just the downward elbow. Oh, from 12 that, to 6. It, well, it was, I thought they were talking about judging. No, he was saying, you said oh. just the sport, all of the sport of MMA. What, what, what oh. would be some things you would change? Dude, I would take the downward pointed elbow and throw it out. I've tried to throw it out before. Yeah. It keeps on getting, you know, oh, my God, you're going to get doctors. Oh, yeah, that's really dangerous. Bullshit. If I can hit you with the elbows that are allowed in MMA right now, there's ones that are a lot worse than any stupid downward 12 to 6 elbow. Yeah. You know, then I'll hear, you know, your good friend, Daniel Cormier, say, oh, that's horrible. No, they should never change that. And you look and you go, Jesus. You need to cut Dan some slack. Nope. <laughs> cut him some I'm slack. all over him. I love him. Man, he says uh, some of the dumbest things at times. And you go, Dan, what are you doing? I love me so And he's easy, such bro. a good I love him. I, he's a great guy. He's one of the nicest human beings on the face of the earth. And sometimes he will say stuff that you go, what did you just do? Um, if I was to change one rule, uh, my one rule would be a four-year or five-year suspension for people who cheat. Oof. 
See that that's been that's been talked about and almost implemented, and then it was like, no, that's not fair. And if you you know you you can look at USADA, they're close to that. Yeah. You know, they they can give out a two year, and then they can give out a four year. The only problem that I have, on the only problem how many I, times you've done it. Problem I have with USADA though is when they're wrong, they still give you a suspension. Well, not so only if they're wrong, the do they give you a suspension, then they'll then they'll they'll turn you into well, if you give us information on somebody else. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. really that's crazy really? you're gonna do that mm. all right well i think we wrap that one up that would be my uh only knock <laughs> what else do we have do you want to move on from fan questions um i've got the we've been doing these the last few weeks okay since bellator's been announcing them so let, we could talk about uh they put up these uh rank your top five middleweights and then mm -hmm. rank your all right let's do the middleweights i like that gegard musasi is the champion mm -hmm. So I'll do you. I'll go. Through, I'll go first on this one. Okay. Tokov is definitely the number one in that category. Um, you can take a look at it and say Salter has beaten Van Stenis. Van Stenis has beaten Edwards, but they're very close fights and could have gone either way and things. Uh, Edwards is the most athletic along with Van Stenis. The best wrestler out of the group is going to be Vanderford. The best submission guy is going to be Salter. But Tokov is numero uno. And based upon everybody else, I would actually put uh, Van Steen is second, Fabian Edwards third, Salter, and then Vanderford. I would probably put them all that way, but I'd probably put Edwards before Vanderford. I'd leave Tokov, Salter, and Van Steenis where they're at and swip and swip and switch and swap, uh, and swap uh, Vanderford and Edwards okay you know but yeah i'd probably keep it about the same Close. is there somebody else we're missing i feel like there's somebody we're missing no it's the heavyweight one that i was looking at for the other day i was like man they're missing someone and then i i remembered who it was <laughs> so if we go to the heavyweight division there it is number one who is missing please tell me you know <laughs> yeah i know where the fuck is he why would you not I have, have no him idea there? why do they not have him there minikoff where is he yeah He's the, he's pretty much the number one contender. You've got Karatanov, you've got Johnson, you got Moldovsky. He's going to be fun. I'm excited yeah. to see where he ends up. And then uh, Lynn Vassell. Vassell's cut. I feel like he's finally found his weight class, killing himself to get to 205. I think he he's going to be happy where he's at. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Congo. You know. I know what's going on with Congo. He's hating us. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Josh Thompson. Fuck you, John, <laughs> John McCarthy. <laughs> I love it. Oh man! Uh, oh well, it is what best. it is. It is what it is. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, how'd you have it? How'd you have that heavyweight? I, I have Minikoff, uh, obviously number one. Minikoff is number one. Moldovsky is would be number two. Tim Johnson would be number three. Uh, Linton Vassell would be number four, and then it's whoever you want to put Karatanov or Congo at number five. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know why. Where's why, why, anyways? I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I'm glad they're finally starting to put some rankings together, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I had heard some. There was some. Uh, what was his name? He writes for uh, MMA fight. He, he put out a thing saying how stupid it was that Bellator is now copying the UFC and putting in rankings. That's the dumbest thing ever. Like, uh, I guess it's because you weren't asked to be one of those reporters that's <laughs> making the list. Uh, I wasn't asked to be one either, and we're a reporting kind of 
I am not a reporter. I will never be a reporter. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, John, let's uh, let's wrap this bad boy up, man. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this show. And hold on, let me see this real quick. Hold on, now that one. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed. Dave was flipping through some stuff, and I wanted to hit on it. If there was something, I saw Patricio up there, who is the best 145 pounder in the world, and so I wanted to touch on that real quick because if it was some news on him, but it wasn't. So, um, we have a busy April, John. We have back to back to back shows for Bellator, and, and they're freaking fire! I cannot wait. They are so good. Yeah, and the matchups the are prelims. Awesome. Prelims are going to be Even crazy. Prelims. Yeah, prelims are going to be crazy. Um, I was working on them today, going, "God damn, that's a good fight! God yeah. damn, that's a good fight!" <sighs> it's going to be good. Yeah. Ah, there's some fights though too that fell off. The two of them did that fell off because of the UK stuff. Couldn't get visas. Yeah, that's okay. I know, but right I, they were they were going to be some good fights. Yep, they were going to be good. Did, did you see your one fight is back with the guy you were talking about? I know. I'm, I'm oh, talking really? Cryptic, cryptic now. Oh, I know, but it came back. Uh, You're Derek the Barbaric. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. I did see that. I mean, I I want I can't wait to watch him fight, man. I enjoy it. I mean, his last fight, we were all I was ready to watch him fight, and then you know, ah, it was a <laughs> legal knee, right? No, it ended up being it was, it was a legal kick. Illegal, illegal. Oh, that's right, because he lifted. Him, remember, he was just slightly off the ground. Coming up. Yep. Yep. We went to the uh, we went to the instant replay. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, hey, hopefully you guys enjoy the show. But like I said in the in the middle of the show. Hit that little bell off to the bottom right corner. That'll let you guys know the notifications on when we drop our shows. Because right now we're playing with the algorithm. As John likes to say, use big words. We're playing with that and seeing what times are best for us to drop our shows. We're going to be dropping on Wednesdays as of right now before we used to drop on Thursdays. So get it a whole day earlier. And um, as well as we're not going to probably play around with our Sunday show too much. Uh, probably between like 6 and 8 a.m., but we want to play around with that somewhat, but it still will be kind of in the same time. But if you hit that bell, you won't have to worry about that. You'll get the notifications. We appreciate you guys. Hit the thumbs up also, because that thumbs up will share our videos. That'll put us a, ahead of Arahawani and Chael and everybody else that has a show, because we know our show is better, and we know you know that. That's why you're watching us. And so we want to thank you guys for uh, for watching us. We appreciate it. We do really do appreciate how you guys share our show. I've I've noticed on Twitter a ton of people tagging me saying, "Hey, how great the show was," and you know, and, and saying very, very, very positive things about me and how good I am on the show. I want to thank you guys for that as well. You know, um, it's been great. This is blessed, John. This is so much fun. I enjoy this. Yeah, because you get to talk to me, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> there it is again. We also have ProWrestlingTees.com. You can get one. Of these fantastic St. Patty Day shirts by going to ProWrestlingTees.com and using the promo code 100K. Use that promo code and you will get a discount on the shirt. And you can also take a look at the rest of our fantastic lineup of weighing in shirts. Ones with the Karate Kid on the front. I don't know how I became Mr. Miyagi. It really pisses me <laughs> off. But other than that, we've got also got the Terminator shirt. And a lot of cool colors and designs for you. So take a look and get a shirt and represent the Weighing In podcast, guys. That St. Patty's Day one is only available till March 17th. So make sure you guys pick that one up before it's goodbye and John. Goodbye. And the last thing that I have to say is other than thank you for everyone listening in. But after we are done with the podcast, we always sign off by saying, see ya. <laughs>